Hello, welcome back to the Flawless Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the U.S. men's national team and breakfast cereal. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Adjusting to the time change here. Got got a new uh, ep of uh, Flaws takes coming your way to get you through those early dark nights and uh, excited to deliver it. Yeah, this is really prime podcast season because like anything you're doing, you're usually inside. Like if I'm da- downstairs, like in my basement doing something, I throw our podcast on and just like, you know, putter around or whatever I'm doing. Uh, this is podcast season. Get ready. We got a big one today for you, but I do have an announcement. It's important. I, I wanted to follow up with my comments last week that were kind of disparaging of, of walmart.com. I did get my PlayStation 5 today. Oh. It ar- arrived out of nowhere. Uh, Congratulations. It, it just like, I got an email this morning at nine. They're like, it's on its way. I'm like, okay, fine. You've, you've given me no updates for last week. And now it's going to be here in two hours. Great. Um, so it's here. I boxed it, but uh, I'm very excited. So the end of a long saga. Will there be an, will there be an unboxing video? I, I doubt it. Maybe I'll start Twitch streaming uh, at some yeah. point. But On your I, YouTube channel. Yeah. The thing is, like, I don't even have a game to play on this thing yet. Like, I just bought it because I knew I wanted one, and I had a moment of opportunity, and I'm just, like, nabbed it because who the hell knows when I'm... Um, but the game I'm really trying to play is not for, like, three months. So, anyway, we'll, get, we'll talk more, more video games maybe later. I can't believe um, how hard they are to get because it's been out for a while now, right? It's 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 supply chain issues plus crypto and yep. and the scarcity they created in the chip market, like chip anything, world. yeah. So anyway, um, so moving on, had a saw an interesting tweet today. I sent it to you um, that I thought we should just comment on briefly. Uh, it was from Pro Football Focus PFF. And they're saying, which cities deserve an NFL expansion team? And they listed uh, eight options. London, Toronto, Honolulu, Salt Lake City, Mexico City, St. Louis, San Antonio, and other. So I ask you, Chris, do any of those cities deserve an NFL expansion team? Okay, well, when you, when you sent me the list, basically one jumped out at me as mm-hmm. the number one choice that I – that I would want, and one jumped out as the as an immediate no. Okay. So I think the best idea out of the group is Mexico City. Um, they have an they have a hundred thousand seat stadium already there. Mm-hmm. They have an NFL. Um, they have an NFL fan base there. Like the like the Cowboys and Raiders are are very popular teams in Mexico already. Mm-hmm. So like they the NFL has a following there. The travel yeah. is all of the flights from the continental United States, it's not that bad to Mexico city. There's, there's not, there's not an extreme time change. Like you're going to London. Mm -hmm. And it's also like a city that's kind of like going through. um, It's, it's modernizing, you know, it's, it's, it's not the Mexico city that we think of like when we were growing up as kids, you know, it's a, it's a much different place now. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know. I, I, so I, I thought that would be the, would, would be my number one choice. The one that I don't see at all is St. Louis. They've already had two teams there, the yeah, Cardinals and Rams, that, that didn't work. 
the, yeah. the Chiefs own that state. It's, I mean, it's called Chiefs Kingdom for a reason. Like the Chiefs are massive there. The only the only time St. Louis showed any support um, was when the Rams were scoring seventy points a game with like Kurt Warner. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, yeah, now you're getting big crowds. So yeah, yeah I, I would I would take a pass on them. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think the other one that stood out is um, if you do Mexico City, you should also do Toronto, perhaps. Um, oh. Now that there's that Buffalo issue there. Um, and I think the Bills, hopefully, with their resurgence, are now more firmly entrenched in Buffalo. Could be support both teams. But the flawless make right here is that there should be no NFL expansion teams. We do not need more teams. Um, but if you do add teams, I think you have to do something structural because there are too many teams. Like, I think you get mm-hmm. to a point where um, the way the league is you don't want that many. So my proposal and add teams, you add four teams, okay? And you basically create like an NFL, AFL separate structure. So it's like two 18-team leagues and the Super Bowl is the championship between the teams, but they don't play. It's like the old NLA baseball, but you really don't cross that 18 line and you could do something like you just described, you have to break apart completely. And it's like kind of regional, maybe East West. And it's, so now Mexico city is in uh, probably West, in the West with and like the Niners and, the... and they're playing Las Vegas, yeah. right? right. And they're playing San Diego. Right. Yep. Or, well, there's a San Diego, but you know, the Rams, yeah. and the chargers and the chargers. Rams. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And Toronto is playing the bills and the Patriots and the jets or whatever. You know, I don't know why I put them in the, the old AFC East, but you, you get the idea. So um, that's my idea. I don't know who the other two cities would be. You know, someone would probably say you got to go fully global and go like London, Tokyo or something crazy, but right. I don't think you do that. Yeah. London just, is the one that always comes up just because the NFL yeah. is playing so many games there. And you have mm-hmm. that uh, Jack Jacksonville's owner, Shad Khan, like as old, he seems like he wants to move his team to London. Yeah. Um, I, I, but I don't know why that just seems to keep getting postponed to like, they keep kicking the can down the road for whatever reason. I, you know? Yeah. I just never understood how that worked. I think continental. Right. Now, I mean, the flights, that way, like... the flights from the West coast to London, I, I don't know like how the players would be able to do that. Mm-hmm. I guess what they would do, probably what they would try to do is maybe set it up. So the week before you have a game on the East coast, so the team can stay there. Before, yeah. If, if I mean, but if that I, was even possible, I don't know. I, I just don't. You know, then you, do you want to play there? The taxes as a player there, like it screws up your whole structure. Like, I don't yeah. know. I, I I think you you keep it continental. We already have. Mm-hmm. We've never we've never done this with Mexico with any sport, but obviously Canada. We have it all over the place. It's actually right. odd that there are no uh, Canadian NFL teams. But well, but my my thought about Toronto was how would that work with like, would like the CFL like allow that? Or like, do they have like yeah. rights and like, cause the Toronto Argonauts do exist. Like I, I don't. Yeah. Well, I, I guess, don't know. I mean, they, they play in the opposite season that the NFL does, but I, I mean, I, that would kind of like probably kill off a lot of their fan base. I would imagine. Yeah. And I'm not a journalist, so I'm not going to even bother Googling that. So if any yeah. listener wants to really dig in, let us know. We'll let, we'll bring you on the show. 
Um, just moving on because we got a lot, a lot to get to. Let's do a quick recap on the U.S. men's national team. Um, I do want to sort of sit and celebrate that great game against Mexico that we had um, previewed last week. Uh, another Dos Icero um, game. And, uh, it, you know, it was sort of a grueling maybe first hour, but once uh, they got it going, uh, it was pretty dominant the last, you know, 30 minutes or so. And the U.S. deserved the win. It felt good. Uh, what, what were your impressions of the game? Uh, well, I thought the first half Mexico was pretty much clearly the better side. Um, Stefan had to make a couple fairly, I mean, not impossible saves, but good saves, mm-hmm. I would say to, uh, keep it even, um, second half us took control. We were definitely the better side. Um, yeah, I thought, I thought we deserved all, all the points. Um, I thought was the, uh, player of the game for us. Yeah. Um, I think his, his insertion for uh, Paul Ariola, which uh, many people on this podcast have been calling for, for a while uh, mm-hmm. has been a positive for the U S um, from an attacking standpoint. He's been terrorizing down the right side, uh, scored a goal in the Jamaica game as well and set up the uh, Pulisic goal in the, in the, in the Mexico game. So yeah, I thought that was, a, uh, he was a big bright spot. However, mm-hmm. looking at the two games, I thought that the U.S. was fairly fortunate to come away with four points here, being that they pretty much only played one good half out of four. Mm-hmm. So to get a win and a draw was not the end of the world. A lot of my friends were like complaining about the, you know, the Jamaica game. I mean, it was a flat atmosphere. The U.S. played flat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, the Antonio goal was. I mean, pretty much brilliance. I think we're, um, you want to talk a little about whether or not Zach Steffen should have saved it. Well, yeah, that was sort of the hot uh, Twitter topic today. Yeah. Um, I, I read a l- very long article on The Athletic from a goalkeeper. I think his name is Paul Tenorio or something. Um, and he basically defended uh, Steffen on that. Stefan. Yeah. It was hit so. with a lot of pace. Yes, it was, but it was it also was... very far away. I don't know. It was yeah. – I, I mean, Adams maybe should have closed him down a little bit. No one thought he was going to shoot. Is I think that was like, the thing. Like, no one like, thought he was going to shoot from there. Yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't, you know, Steven Gerrard in 2004. Like, it's a guy who has scored over 50 goals in the Premier League and never outside the box, which yeah. just tells you the sort of – he's like a power forward. You know, it, right. it's not part of his game. He's not shooting three-pointers, fo- so – um, yeah, that was part of it. Uh, one, just before we move on out of, uh, soccer, uh, one player I wanted to highlight, I, I was talking about Busio last week. Uh, he didn't really get featured as much. He was in the Jamaica game, but kind of got lost, but, uh, Yunus Musa, I thought looked really good as, uh, you know, that third midfielder along with Adams McKinney in the Mexico game. He was yeah. like, look, just, you know. In control, like always seemed in the right place, just like comfortable and was comfortable doing that. And then, you know, on, you know, running with the ball, like he just, he seemed like a pretty good player. And uh, that was exciting. Um, I was happy to see McKinney score. Uh, you know, he's, he's an interesting player. He, he sort of rubs me the wrong way a lot of the times, yeah. but I, we I'm need glad. him. We need him though. You need that tough guy too, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, like no one else is. Guys are 
uh, you know, your teammates' eyes. Yes. You know, he, you have to have someone to step up. He brings um, a little bit of that Jermaine, what we lost when Jermaine Jones retired from the U.S. Men's yeah. National Team. And, yep. and so, you know, that's just what it's going to be. You know, you'd like to see maybe uh, someone else help him in that so he's not isolated there. But, um, yeah, anyway. I also think you notice be- between the Mexico game and the Jamaica game, you notice the difference. The U.S. are a different side mm-hmm. when we have Tyler Adams, Musa, and Weston McKinney on the field at the same time. Yeah. McKinney didn't play in the Jamaica game, and you notice that w- when all those three midfielders aren't together, we are we do not control the midfield like we like we can. Mm-hmm. So I think I think that's a key thing for us to in terms of like keeping that midfield healthy and limiting yellow cards because McKinney's yellow card in the Me- Mexico game was stupid. It really was like it was he knew. Yeah. I mean, he's aware going to that game that if he gets a yellow, it's a suspension for the next game, and yeah. he just can't control himself. And he runs so, in and from you know fifteen yards away into trouble. Like exactly, but, it's tough. But who in my life I've definitely run from fifteen yards away into trouble. trouble. Like, <laughs> I I understand the impulse, yeah. so um, I'll leave it at that. So get a little break from them. I, I think the next qualifier. Not till January, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, I think it's January 28th. We have El Salvador at home, and then yeah, and then a big and then away to Canada. That's that's yeah. that pairing in January. So. Yeah, we'll we'll take a break. We'll we'll probably keep an eye on the Yanks in Europe if they do anything uh, noteworthy. Uh, but we'll we'll take a break from U.S. national team for a little while. All right, so uh, good. Good segue. A team where we will pay attention to the next uh, few weeks are the Giants, but we're not going to talk about the New York Giants. We're going to talk about uh, Little Giants. So, how, how do you like that one, Chris? Do you like how I, I did that? that was, I, I did that. That's a that was a flawless segue. Yeah, called my shot. Yep. Um. Anyway, so we decided to do a movie review this week on the Giants by week. And we want to do a sports movie because this is one of the primary focuses of the show. And Chris, you said 1994's little giants, classic kids sports comedy, which I have not seen in quite a while. Um, but I did rewatch today with my oldest daughter. Um, it's a fun movie. It's a lot of fun. It has, Great comedic performances by Rick Moranis and Ed O'Neill. Ed O'Neill, who's like unbelievable in this movie, like really, really enjoying yep. himself. And yep. uh, I, I want a 30 for 30 on his character's like collegiate career that got him a Heisman, <laughs> but then like no mention of anything in the NFL at all. And then like he's selling cars in Urbana, Urbana, Ohio. Ohio. <laughs> yeah. What a there's a turn there that they, they there's a turn in there that they don't even uh reference that I you know that's probably a different yeah. movie. At I'll some point that... things didn't go great for Fred O'Neill's character or the, <laughs> yeah. or the way he wanted them to go. And you know, the way culture works these days, we might get a ten episode Netflix show about Ed O'Neill now reflecting on like his career as a younger man and like what went wrong. So look out. These these questions could be answered. Um, but I had a lot of fun with it. My daughter enjoyed it. Uh, it follows a very, you know, fun formula, you know, the, the bad news bears, the outsiders, you know, the Sandlot, like whatever it is, 
you know, kids being kids and, you know, you know, tackling the bully. So, um, yeah, it was good. Did you get like deep nostalgia twangs rewatching this? Movie? I did. Yeah. And, and I love stuff like that. I love nostalgia. So, um, um, I, uh, I have some interesting, um, trivia about little giants here that, that I All dug right. up. Give it to me. Um, Devin Sawa, the character who plays junior mm-hmm. was 15 during, during filming of it. Okay. And so they had him only in socks during most of the scenes to, to limit his height. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, there um, is something weird how he's framed now that you say that. You never really see him. Well, you can tell, like, I, I even think facially, he, all the time. He, and facially, he just looks a lot older than all the other characters. You can, yeah, yeah you know, yeah. like he, he's starting to mature while the other kids are kids. Um, Another one is what a di- what a different movie this would have been. Gary Busey and Randy Quaid were originally cast <laughs> oh, as no. leads. <laughs> I don't know if I like that. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's just that's just you know knowing where those paths went for those two guys in particular. But <laughs> they, right now they have really bad vibes. Maybe twenty five years ago it wasn't so bad, but oof, that could have yeah. been dark. That could have been a completely different movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the and the other thing I have here I have here is um they the little giants were actually the first giants to wear the solid red alternate jersey that the big oh. giants wore 10 years later. Nice. Yeah. So there's Can a tie in we... with our favorite giants. I haven't seen the reds in a while. I never liked no. them. I was a, a big lo- fan of a, a lot of losses. A lot of losses. Like, but a lot of Monday losses in the uh, whites and blues as well. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, when you, when you lose a lot, you know it doesn't really matter what jersey you're in. I nope. suppose. Um, but when you're winning and you bring out that nice jersey that you haven't seen in a while, oh, that, we're, that's we're what wearing. You're looking for we're wearing the color rush on Monday night. Oh, okay. In Tampa, so that'll be interesting. Yep. Um, yeah. So, trying to see if I had any other little giants notes here. Uh, oh, I did get like a little like nostalgic just there's just like a lot of things it the movie doesn't look dated but it's just like definitely of a time right and like it made me very uh nostalgic just for like certainly a, a time that's no longer here so just like all the cars and things like that yeah i feel very right. old even saying these things so i'm just like man rick moranis like very odd he, he he's great Great career and just decided, yeah, I'm good. I'm done. He probably made yeah. so much money and it was just like, do I still want to be like a dopey kids movie guy? I don't need to do this. I can just be a millionaire in Canada the rest of my life. Like, what yeah. am I doing? Probably a good move. Yeah, he got, he got, I mean, his, and, and his whole persona is, is very 90s, right? You know, like mm-hmm. I can't, I can't even picture him like existing in 20, in movies in 2020, you know, no. bizarre. Yeah. Uh, but uh, good, good for Rick. We watched Honey, I Shrunk the Kids like in over the summer at some point, and my kids love that. Another classic. It, it holds up. It holds yeah. up, and this one holds <laughs> up too. So, okay, um, would you take this or the Sandlot? If you, if you Ooh, had one? Ah, man, that's a that's really tough. Yeah, I, I was. I've seen the Sandlot more. I think. But I think yes. I was a little younger when the Sandlot came out, so maybe it was just more at the time. 
but I, I think I have more of affinity for the Sandlot. But I did really enjoy I, watching this, and I yeah, wonder if I watch the Sandlot right now, if would I enjoy it as much? I don't know. Yeah, I think I go Sandlot, but it's really close. It's mm-hmm. it's not by it's not by a lot, and I like them for kind of different reasons. Yeah, yeah, you know. Uh, all right. So, any other Little Giants thoughts? My only other, um, what I was surprised with was, um, I don't know if you go if you use IMDb for for movie stuff. Little I'm Giants a letterbox only... guy. You're a letterbox guy. That's right. I knew that. Uh, yeah. Little that's Giants only a on six point one on IMDb. Felt low. Yeah, two point nine on Letterbox. I don't know how. I, I don't know. Maybe the fan base for Little Giants is not. It's just not it's just Giants fans. Is <laughs> not live. Well, that's another thing. Like, I wonder if, if non Giants fans um, have right. an affinity for for this as much as we Cowboys do. fans detest Little Giants. It's possible. It's a good question. You know. I, I'm not friends with any Cowboys fans deliberately. I've lived yep. a clean, a clean and normal <laughs> life. <so. laughs> we don't, we don't associate with those, those types. Yeah. I, I have gotten sucked in with some Eagles fans, which I, I'm not proud of, but you know, geography is what it is. Um, all right. So let's take a break and we'll come back uh, with our review of Lucky Charms. Speaking Ooh. of, disreputable Irishman. We'll be back soon. (laughs) Okay, and we're back. Everyone's favorite part of the show, the Flawless Take Serial Review. We've got another, I would say in the pantheon of kid serials, we have Lucky Charms. Chris, you, you, you brought Lucky Charms with this week. After I specifically said, I hate marshmallows, uh, was this just to make me mad? Explain yourself. Well, it, really, this comes off of reviewing the, the, the Fruit Loops cereal that we did last week. That I think mm-hmm. we both, you know, it received a positive review from the Flores yeah. Takes podcast. But we were kind of, that was kind of like our first fo- fo- foray into more sugary cereals. Mm-hmm. Um, so it made me think of when you think of marshmallow cereals, this is the one that comes to mind for me. This is the first marshmallow cereal um, ever made. Yep. And I have had it maybe just a few times, a very long time ago when I was a kid. And I remember thinking, I can't believe that parents serve this to, to children in the morning. <laughs> and listen, 1964 re- was different. It, it must have been world. really different. <laughs> and, and and upon revisiting it now, I feel exactly the same. You get you get a spoonful of these marshmallows. Yeah. It's insane. It, it it's just mm-hmm. a it's a spoonful of sugar. Um. Yeah. I, I'm I'm not a huge marshmallow in the cereal person. Um. Mm. The 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 lightly. The, the pieces of the cereal that are marshmallow, the are basically they're based off Cheerios, is what they did. Like, yeah, the the product developers Toasted were tasked with with using uh, General Mills products like a like a Cheerio and making another cereal. And basically, what they just decided on was like, well, you just throw a bunch of marshmallows in Cheerios. 
And that's that's how There's Lucky Charms came about. Grimy when you you pour the Lucky Charms into the bowl and the look of the marshmallow because they have like the dust from the cereal on them just looks. Yep. it's always been a turn off to me. They they always have that pale color that's just like again these unnatural colors that these cereals sometimes have. But some are pleasing, some are not. Lucky Charms, you know. If you had a cereal that, if I guess if their intention is to have a cereal look like like a ginger person from Ireland, like then I guess they've achieved their goal. (laughs) That rascally mascot. You trust that guy? I don't know. That's the other thing I wanted to point out. He's another cereal character, much like the captain from Captain Mm -hmm. Crunch, who. uh, I'm not so sure um, about his intentions. You know, I don't, he does not a, he doesn't strike me as a Tony, the tiger, toucan, Sam type guy. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think, I mean, do we really trust leprechauns to begin with? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. They're tricksters, but the, you know, right? the thing is that this is, Oh, this is one thing I wanted to complain about. I don't know if you're, if this is like reached you, this, this comes to me through the kids, but, holidays now are like a bigger deal like little or holidays like i don't know did you make a big deal about um st patrick's day in your house growing up as a kid the mm. little... i my mom made corned beef every st yeah. patrick's day but that was literally yeah. the only there were no decorations put up or right. anything else or really but so i mean now... we're, we're also we, we also weren't irish i don't know maybe that was different in other households yeah so now there's this thing this holiday ritual of like building a leprechaun trap have you heard about this oh yes i have and you know the leprechaun comes and you try to trap him and he leaves you know gold uh wait is that is that the same as elf on the shelf this is different than elf on the shelf okay this is a saint patrick's day kind of thing that they're doing now so it's just anyway my point is the expansion of holiday traditions. Let's all tamp it down, people. This is all yeah. just work for me at the end of the day. Now we're I'm, I'm inventing like you know footsteps of uh, little fairies and stuff. Like it's crazy. Like I don't have time for this. I'm trying to do a podcast. So you know, I mean, that's another just, thing against leprechauns. That's all. That I'm just saying. comes from people just loving holidays. You know, it's like mm-hmm. we need to expand and, and, and for us to buy things is another yeah. big thing. Yep. You know? decorations you're at home goods let's get some more tchotchkes let's get a <laughs> a wall sign that says like luck of the irish or something you know lucky charms is lucky charms we, 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 we put it up for those sacred three weeks in march between uh valentine's day and easter where we you know watch the ncaa tournament and uh i don't know i don't know i don't know what we're trying to do here so <laughs> A plea, really lucky a, plea, a plea to stop celebrating holidays here <laughs> on the Flow of Things podcast. This is I'll take more days off. Give me a day off for St. Patrick's Day. I'll celebrate it. You know, like great. But if we're not like what is what are you doing for me? You're, you're giving me more things to do. Anyway, I mean I've had some rough St. Patrick's Days in my life. So not yeah. my favorite. I mean St. Patrick's Day what a really the only time I can think of celebrating it is like going out in Hoboken, getting getting blacked out, and going down a very dark road. I'm gonna get in trouble with like the Irish because of this podcast. 
They already hate me because of this Instagram thing I did this year. I'm going to be in trouble. <laughs> anyway. You're not popular uh, in March. Anything else on Lucky Germs? Um, just that the, 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 what I wanted to say is the, the consistency of the marshmallows. I mean, I, I mean, I guess that's all you can do when they're just sitting in a box with a bunch of Cheerios for mm-hmm. weeks on end. But it, I don't know. The, it, you bite into it, it's, it's almost like a like a powder. It's very powdery. Mm. Yeah, you know, it, it, it yes. breaks down. Yes, it's so, not not a, not, a, not a fan of the consistency. Yeah, it's not a quality marshmallow even. No, you know? right. It, it, it is like a compressed, packed substance, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's weird. All right. Well, I think we've beaten the Irish to death enough on this podcast. So let's <laughs> move on from Lucky Charms. Um, have a great week, everybody. We'll be back next week to talk about the Giants win against Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm on the oh, football. That's a lock. Uh, I'm so mad that the Washington team beat them last weekend because oh, you know, like God. that's not okay. going to happen again. So. Arians is already calling out Brady and the in, yeah, in the, yeah. This uh, is like to the media statement game. Yep. Statement game city. Brady. Oh, you think I'm done? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's never done. <laughs> it's so annoying. I wanted to do that game right because then it would have been even better as the Giants doing it to him again. You know. Yes. What I mean? <sighs> we needed that for the podcast. Anyway, we'll see. Stranger things have happened. True. All right, folks, we'll talk again soon. Thanks for coming by. Hello, welcome to the Flawless Takes podcast, the podcast where we talk about hirings, firings, and Thanksgiving. My name is Christian Miola. I am here with my partner and co-host, Chris Landera. How are you doing, Chris? Very torn tonight, Christian, because we are approaching my favorite holiday of the year, Thanksgiving. Okay. But we are also coming off a horrible, embarrassing, wrenching loss on Monday Night Football for our beloved New York Giants. Yeah, that was... We were texting a little bit about that. That one hurt. I don't know why. It, it just felt bad. And I, I've seen the Giants lose a lot lately. And I don't know if it was Tom Brady. I don't know if it was the Monday night off a of bye or or what the the attributes of this particular loss were that made me feel so shitty. But this one got me for some reason more than the Rams earlier in the year or the Broncos or you know the even the cow. I mean the Cowboys game is probably the other one that sucked the most. But man, this one this one hit yeah. me in the gut a little bit for some reason. Not sure why. Maybe maybe also because we were actually a, a little bit healthy for this game. Not not missing as many players as we normally are. Yeah, I, I think that that's probably part of it. And and also they're coming off a bye, and in that time, a lot of you know teams that are kind of that I think of within our tier have gotten some wins and look bad better. You look at the team like the Eagles have kind of come on a little bit. Um, you know, you look around the league, you know, these teams that were three, four win teams are now five, six win teams. And, you know, we are just still within a lower tier. And it's pretty obviously we're squarely in the more in the, the Lions, Jets, Texans realm than, yes, you know, th- yes. that sort of team on the rise realm, which, you know, I, as negative as we've been at times on the Giants, 
this one really smacked us me in the face in terms of how poor our team is. And, uh, you know, there were consequences, right? So breaking news, I'm, I'm sure everyone listening to this knows this. Jason Garrett was, was fired today. Um, we think he's going to probably be effectively replaced by Freddie Kitchens. Um, we were, we've been down on Garrett, or I know for a fact that I have been since the initial hire. Um, I didn't think they should hire him. I didn't think they should bring him back after last year. So he's been sort of, you know, America's most wanted Giants uh, scapegoat. And, you know, he's the first domino to fall or the first scout to be taken, I think. Um, and now it's just a question of how deep do the Maras decide to cut from here? And, and we certainly haven't been on Jason Garrett's side because if our loyal listeners remember correctly, I actually said that Jason Garrett would be out the door midseason. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Get your diamonds. Play that out, flawless everybody. takes. Yeah. <laughs> Play that flawless take music. Diamonds are forever. Just imagine. The diamonds are forever. Guys. Yeah, because I can't do production. But you know, imagine <laughs> that's playing in the background here. Um, yeah. So that that was a great call by you. So. Uh, but I nice think call. more. I I think you're right though. I I was thinking earlier, and you you literally said exactly what my thought process was earlier the first first domino to fall because I don't yeah. think anyone thinks firing Jason Garrett is a, Oh, everything's great. Now we're fine. We got rid of the bad play caller guy, you know, like onto the yeah. playoffs. That's, yeah. that's not happening. This is more of a, okay, this guy's gone. Now, if we keep losing, who's next? You know, I look at this firing. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I, I tweeted it out yesterday. I mean, it, this was, a result of poor roster construction, which is on the GM, poor coaching, which is on Joe Judge and his staff, and poor execution. So there's players who are, who are, you know, on the roster who are just not performing to the level they should. And so there, there's so many guilty parties here. I mean, you could say, even go one further and say, yeah, it's ownership for, you know, having the wrong strategic vision and making the wrong hires and, mm-hmm. you know, over the course of, you know, the space of 10 years or whatever it is. Um, but we, we don't get to fire the owner. We don't get to fire anybody, but we can at least complain about it on Twitter. Um, so, you know, it's, it can't get much worse. You know, you, you saw the stats out there from an offensive perspective, under Jason Garrett, Giants never scored 30 points in, uh, you know, 24 games or however mm-hmm. many it was, which is kind of remarkable in the league where, where points are, are, are relatively cheap. They have the <clears throat> fewest amount of touchdowns in, during his tenure, yes. you know? So 42 touchdowns over that, that period. They average a touchdown and a half basically a game since he came in last year. That. It's not going to get it done. Yes, yeah. fired with league. fired with cause, right? Yeah, yeah. it's not like they were. Uh, they didn't look for a scapegoat here. It's like, hey, man, mm-hmm. you are not getting the job done, and so yeah. you're out the door. Yeah, and and I've been I've been spending this afternoon. Um, well, in case my employers let's say I've been spending the afternoon working extremely hard to uh, help my company grow and prosper. But I also found some time to read some articles about. Um, you know, the firing. And now what we're starting to see is sort of like the whispers, right? So, you know, now it's coming out. Oh, Joe Judge has, has 
been moving towards this for a while. Joe Judge didn't want to hire Jason Garrett to begin with, which I believe. I think that I think it was said at the time that this was more of an ownership hire. That they like Jason Garrett. They have a relationship with Jason Garrett. Um, he's a ginger, so they you know they like that for some reason. Um, look at the history, folks. I'm just saying. Um, and you know, the way Joe Judge phrased it in his press conference today was he was recommended to me by ownership or the front office, but I made the hire. Yes. Like, no, so, he, he, he owned it. And, that, he, and that's, right. that's fair, but it, yeah. it was, it was, it was, you know, one of those things when you're a 37 year old new hire coach and you know, the owner of the New York Giants say, says, Hey, take, give we, we like Jason this guy. Yeah. Yeah. You know the deal, right? Like yep. that's how yep. it works. But he, Jason Garrett was the only coach on the staff with no prior connection to Joe Judge. So, you know, I think from his perspective, maybe at this point he's thinking, if I'm gonna go out, I you know, I got seven games here, I gotta go out with my guys. So I, I can respect that a little bit. Um Freddie Kitchens, the replacement. I don't know what your your do you have like strong Freddie Kitchens opinions dubs from his Browns tenure? I, Did you you watch all the the eleven uh, by eleven, you know, uh, all twenty two <laughs> footage of? of I mean, of it's Browns been a couple years. It's been a couple years now since he was at the Browns. Um, I if I remember correctly, he actually kind of started out hot and then kind of fell off a cliff, and yeah. it got it got bad real bad quickly. Um, yeah, well, he, listen, he, I, he, um, he replaced he brings, Jackson, right? So he kind of did a similar thing. He came in for a struggling team and showed improvement. So we'll I see. mean, I, I think our number number one complaint with Garrett is that it was just too too conservative of a um, attack for, in today's NFL. I think Kitchens will be more aggressive. Mm-hmm. Will 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 we be success, successful in? What he's drawing up, I I don't know. That's to be seen. I mean, I I would I hope I'm I hope so. I mean, I'm a Giants fan, but um, yeah, I I I don't really I I I don't have super high expectations. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Freddie Kitchens, like I said, came in uh, for a bad situation in, in Cleveland, in, in a, as one of a long string of bad situations in Cleveland, similar to the Giants at this point now and made them slightly better as an OC and an, or as a re- interim head coach. And they get, they brought him on as a, the full head coach. And, and at that and point, it, just, it did not go well, but yes. you know, as an OC, um, you know, perhaps he has some success and can, you know, do something over this last seven games. It's a dangerous time though, right? Like if you, if you, if you're like us as giants fans, what do you want out of this next seven games, really? You know, do you want what? What I fear, I guess, is right. a false, a false right, right. hope. There's right? only two ways this goes. Yeah, completely going to the toilet and get a top five pick, mm-hmm. or what you're getting to, we start gaining a little steam, steam mm-hmm. that's not taking us anywhere this season to the postseason, but a couple wins that gets us to seven and 10 mm-hmm. and there's a fake glimmer of hope that is, that is brought upon by, by that. Yeah. And that uh, is the danger. Right. And, and that hope is okay. It's, we are making progress. 
stay with the uh, the core brain mm-hmm. trust here, and you know, let's see what happens next year. I, I I just think that's that's not what we want. I I've come to the point where, in my opinion, and we'll talk about this more over the next few months, is I Dave Gettleman has to be gone, job one. All right, I don't want him making those draft picks. Come yeah. April. We are going to have two, most likely two top 10 draft picks. Yeah. And he, yeah. he cannot be the person who is making the call on those. Yeah, absolutely not. Can't happen. It just can't. Um, I'm not so much worried with free agency this year because he's blown out our cap for the next year. And so there's that much damage he can do. He's already done it. Um, but then, you know, the question becomes Joe Judge. And from what I've read, uh, you know, by the beat reporters and insiders, Joe Judge, if the season were to end today, would would be retained. Um, and, you know, I I don't think Joe Judge has has been horrible, but also, you know, when we get to this end of the season, we're going to have a, a coach who's won, you know, maybe a, a, a fourth of his, a third of his games, you know, whatever it is, the winning percentage is not going to be good. So he's done nothing to earn his job. And the, the risk when you bring in a coach, which we've talked about before, and you say, this is our coach. And then you try to hire a GM on top of that is, right. is a problem, right? Like now you're, you're, you're automatically reducing the pool of GMs you have to choose from. Because there's some guys who are going to say, I don't want that constraint. You want to mm-hmm. hire me? I'm bringing in my coach with our his staff, and, you know, away we go. I'm not coming into some pre-cooked thing with, uh, you know, a holdover from the last regime. And, you know, I, I think organizationally they have to go in and say, we need to start over with the best guy for the job, and if – you're putting constraints on that that job right. description, you know, that's a problem. And I want to so, talk about someone specifically, actually. Yeah. Someone okay. who um, often speaks out has during over the course of this season, every couple of weeks he's been he's had something to say about the Giants. Mm-hmm. And it's uh his name is Lou Riddick. Yeah. And uh, he was up for the Giants GM job, was passed over for David Gettleman. Mm-hmm. And um, he's kind of – I think he's a little spurned. He, he was a little spurned by that because I – Yeah. I mean, he, he knows he's, he's a better man for the job. But he's someone who may not be interested in working with Joe Judge. So if, if you're a Lou Riddick fan and you want to, mm-hmm. you, you know, bring him on board, you might want Joe Judge gone with Gettleman. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then, you know, I'm, I don't think that w- I don't think he would be he wouldn't be the worst direction for the Giants to go in. Yeah, I, I mean, I've read the quotes too. I've, I've I don't know a ton about him, but um, he they he, they come off as he's like a little salty. I think he is but, a little salty, but I, but I like it because I'm salty right now. You know yeah. about the Giants. So. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I, I can't pretend to, to give insights on the best candidates for the job. I'll leave no, that to the professionals. No. But I would, I would just say, you know, just from a, a top line, you just don't you're, – you're, what do you have to offer as a Giants to a potential GM? You have what you would consider a premier franchise, you know, although they, they haven't lived up to it, but they still 
are in New York, huge media market, you know, history for Super Bowl wins, blah, blah, blah. Um, you have a good amount of draft capital in the next draft. And that's that's about it. You have a roster that is, we've talked about it in the past, poorly constructed, sums of money to players who probably aren't worth it. Um, a lot of draft misses, you have no cap room to offer. So if you're, you know, if you're, you're serving that up as an enticement, you can't then say, oh yeah, and we've already picked your coach. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. And like, we're going to, we want you to stick with Daniel Jones and we want you to extend Saquon. Yeah. Like you, right. you, they have to <laughs> let whoever it is do that evaluation for coach personnel, the whole thing. And they have to and and ownership has to realize that next year the Giants are not going to be good. You know, the, it, yeah. you could bring in a new GM and he could be a magician, but we're not making the playoffs next season either with yeah. the current cap situation. Yeah, I mean, they will add players through the draft, but don't expect this roster to look too much different because um, it really can't look too much different. They have very little flexibility. Um, the good so, news is after next season, it does begin to get a lot better. Yeah. Next yep. season is really like what we have to cross over. So season three of the Flawless Stakes podcast will be when it really takes <laughs> off. Yeah. We're, we're, this is a slow burn. Yeah. You know, you got to stick with us through the next 18 months and then it's really going to take off. Um, so anyway, we, we've spoken about this for a while. Anything else you want to touch on about the Giants last night in particular? Well, during the game, I, d- I did want to talk about um, we, we, the offense got a lot of heat, obviously. You score 10 points in an NFL game, you know, you, you, that's not going to get the job done. Yeah. But I, I thought on the defensive side of the ball, um, the Giants like to use this approach with the, this two high safeties. That's a very conservative approach where you're kind of just giving up six and seven yard gains. Mm-hmm. And this is actually the same approach that teams have been using against Patrick Mahomes. And that's kind of the reason they've like slowed him down. And it's because he's been impatient with it ends up trying to throw deep because that's, he's used to throwing deep and just throwing touchdowns every play and it's not working for him right now. However, Tom Brady doesn't have that problem and he can just sit back there and pick you apart with eight yard passes and, you know, and they did that first drive of the game, right? Didn't get a third down. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I just find it hard to believe that we have the same game plan on defense for Tom Brady that we do Taylor Heineke. Like that, that's basically like the defense we play against the Washington football team. Yeah, you know, I, I and it just it seems so basic and so one dimensional. And I don't know. I was just like, I just I, I know the defense didn't play as poorly as the offense did, but I just mm-hmm. thought that decision making coach wise was very off putting for me but yeah i mean daniel graham is dr jekyll mr hyde to me sometimes it it looks like he's on top of it and he's out coaching his opposition and other Mm -hmm. times he just seems like he's you know playing madden i i don't know it's it's a little troubling and you know the players aren't aren't getting it done either you know we're generating very little pressure um you know the secondary the players who played well in the past were not going to beat the Bradbury thing to death, have not played well. Um, tough to do when Tom Brady has five, six seconds, you know, yeah. play after play. But yep. He's in um, an armchair back there. 
Yeah, but that's supposed to be the strength of the team, and they're not. And, I mean, the offense is one of the worst in the league, so I guess just relative to that, the defense is better. But it's certainly not up to the level that I thought it was going to be this year. And just speaks to maybe the need to to, trend, to blow the whole thing up from a coaching perspective uh, outside of what we just talked about with the GM and all that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's take a, a quick – oh, before we do um, – just wanted to highlight, we're not talking soccer deep, because I know some people are, are a little, you know, I, I don't want to say anti-soccer, but I, I do hear some things. Um, <laughs> U, U.S. men's national team did not play, but seven of their players played in the Champions League today. Woo! So pretty impressive. That was a new new record. Six of them started. And uh, Jordan Pifak, um scored a goal for the young boys, which – Sounds like a New Orleans-based uh, hip-hop group from, like, 2001, but is not. Um, <laughs> is actually a Swiss team and uh, somehow related to uh, Jeffrey uh, Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell. I don't know how that works. but Yeah, they came up with from... a name a long, long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Just a bunch of young boys. Just young a bunch of young boys, boys out there kicking a ball around. Kicking, a, kicking it around. Sweating. It's just having fun. Um <laughs> For some reason, I'm imagining the Zoolander gas scene in my head right yeah. now. <laughs> um, all right, let's take a break. We'll come back with our Thanksgiving preview. 